0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy writes with Brian Scott. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you
1: have.
2: What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippey Rights Podcast. Got a great Friday show for you. Had to uh, move the pod time around a little bit as Ryan Buchanan, coming back from a work trip, uh, needed to make it fit within his schedule. But we got the QB's thoughts on the Ole Miss quarterback situation, what he thinks will happen this weekend. A way back look at Luke Altmeyer's performance pre-injury against Central Arkansas since we didn't really – um, get to discuss that earlier in the week. And then a look around the SEC as well. I thought Buchanan offered a lot of insight, a good insight about what might be going through each guy's head as they head into the third game of the season without any public facing clarity. That is. And then he offered some thoughts on recruitment, the Haynes King, Max Johnson situation at A&M and how that's kind of the inverse of how this old Miss thing could potentially turn out or could have had it been handled differently. And a lot of different good stuff, and then we've got fresh cuts with LB's Greg on the back half of the show. So, buckle up, it's going to be a great show! Can't wait, and uh, glad to get this out, albeit a little bit later on a Friday. But we had four pods this week, we're taking care of the people. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you the podcast is brought to you by MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS is an independent insurance agent based in Oxford. Everything's expensive right now gas, groceries you name it, inflation's high. You don't need to be losing money just because you don't know how the ins- how to approach the insurance process and how it works. It can be confusing. It can be overwhelming. Which agency do you go with? How do you get the best quote? Who's treating you the right way? Who's trying to one-up you and get into your wallet a little bit? Matt Mims eliminates all of that. He's an independent insurance agent licensed anywhere in the state of Mississippi. So if you're anywhere in Mississippi, he can help get you insured. All you do is you give him a call at 601 601- I can't get it pulled up there we go 601-218-7854 you give him a call you tell him I sent you he will get understand whatever it is you need insured a house boat car life I don't know what you people have going on but whatever it is you need insured he will shop your he will shop your quote around to 10 different agencies find the best one that fits you the most affordable one And he brings it back to you and boom, problem solved. Isn't that easy? That doesn't sound overwhelming, does it? All you literally have to do is dial one phone number, 601-218-7854. Great guy, been a friend of mine a long time. Big old Miss guy, based in Oxford, loves helping people out, loves doing business with other old Miss people. I wouldn't steer you the wrong way. He's someone I trust and he's going to make sure you have a seamless insurance process, you're treated fairly, and you're going to get the best quote possible. It's a win-win situation. All around. Check out my friend Matt Mims at Men's Insurance. Appreciate them sponsoring the show. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. The world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix, Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Getting all kinds of questions about signups and promo codes. That is always great news as more and more people are turning to Skybox. This is usually when you kind of see the uh, – the turn towards the, my friends at Skybox, you get about two week, two, three weeks into the season, guys start losing some cash on their own. And they're like, you know, I <laughs> don't want give the professionals a try, which is always great. Skybox are the professionals. They are going to make sure they're the only consistent way to profit in the long run is really what it comes down to. You're not going to do it in the long run off your own brain. They're the professionals. They send you a nice clean spreadsheet via, I say spreadsheet, picks list of picks via email every week confidence ratings, all kinds of different stuff in there. And they're going to make sure you bet smart, you bet wisely, and you're on the right side more often than you're not. You can choose a picks package that fits your price range, month-long, season-long. I'd recommend just signing up for the all-year, all-sports pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some. But whatever it is, they're going to have something that fits your price range. You can even try it for a day. So stop losing money. Stop having your bookie text you on Monday mornings asking you to square up. And you text him for a change and say, hey, where's my income at? So, check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Once you decide on a package, use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E, and that will get you 20% off your purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Here is Jackson Prep legend, Ryan Buchanan. All right, we now welcome on, I'm all out of MIS superlatives, Ryan Buchanan, former Ole Miss quarterback. We made it four weeks before I uh, ran out. Uh, we are here on the eve of Ole Miss's really first real test of the season against Georgia Tech. Here to chat a little, probably a little quarterback stuff and uh, kind of bounce around. Is the I guess the big thing is is there's no clarity here, um, which I think is pretty shocking. Um, I thought they might have a decision this week. You kind of had a weird game last week, but I saw that Kiffin said on Red Talk last night that uh, that the, he expects both guys to play. You know, I'd be shocked if Jackson Dart didn't start this game just to hunch. Not based on anything I know, but um, did you think we'd get to this Georgia Tech game without having any sort of traction in this? This is kind of getting harder to understand.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think most people wanted a starter by now. Uh, but like it I can I can I can understand Lane's point of view too as well. Uh I mean, you know, I, did Luke Luke got hurt last week at some part of the game, didn't he? What was that? I never I never heard that.
2: So, yeah, that's what happened. And, like, I was going to get your kind of take on what it was last week. We moved the schedule around a little bit. We got dudes jetting all over the country. Weldon was in Europe. You were in San Diego. I mean, this podcast is really just global at this point. You were back from a work trip. And so we got you on the Friday part of it. But, Luke, we should back up there. That's probably where we should start. Altmaier plays last week. The opponent kind of screwed up what they were trying to do, right? They kept blocking punts, and so he leads the first drive and then probably goes, what, 11, 12 minutes without actually leading a real drive again because – you
3: know, UCA literally exactly.
2: cannot get a punt, punt They can't
3: snap a ball or have a special <laughs> yes. teams. I mean, it was the bad news bears out there. I mean, it was just horrendous. They're just in
2: way over their depth. Like, they're, they're, they're there to collect a check. I get it. But, like, if they are not actually <laughs> trying to get anything, it's just hard to do. Like, you know, you can't convince me that Kiffin, the third time they punted, was like, don't block this shit. Just let the kid punt it. Just let I it know, get it off so we I can know, get a drive. I know. So he, he gets – Two or three, I think he gets three drives, and then sometime midway through the second quarter, he, he gets hurt. I've been told that it was on the dive when he dove in on the run, he hurt his shoulder. I don't know if that was the exact point. That may have been what it was, but it became very clear on that next drive, about five minutes to go in the second quarter, something was wrong. And it culminated in that interception where it didn't look like it was a great decision, But the ball had nothing on it, and it was inaccurate. And you could tell it was to the point of his – something's wrong. Like his shoulder was physically compromised. That much seemed abundantly obvious. And he didn't come back in the game. Dart came back in the game after that. And then you kind of had a weird deal where media relations put out an update in the press box that he was pulled because of the interception, not because of the injury, which is just a bizarre thing to update, even if that was true. But then they walked – That's pretty
3: strong to say. Yeah, that's a pretty strong statement.
2: There was some major miscommunication there because the way college athletics goes and how protective they are, and rightfully so these guys that aren't adults yet, there's no way that they were just relayed that message and told to say that. There was some kind of miscommunication there. So be that as it may, whatever. Kiffin says after the game that Altmaier, he asked if he could go back in. He said uh, you know, he could, but he wasn't 100%. And then just kind of left it at that. I thought it was interesting that he added that medical didn't pull him from the game. I thought that was an interesting thing to add. So it was a weird situation all around, but yes, he was clearly hurt, but then his practice all week this week. So his kind of, you know, we talked about the one game start, getting the bulk of a game to kind of actually, you know, flesh things out and have your own identity instead of being worried about, you know, how many possessions you'll get in a half or alternating drives. His got screwed up by kind of the other team's dysfunction and also getting hurt. So, I don't feel like we learned a whole lot, but, you know, from the small sample size, did you feel like you learned anything about Altmaier?
3: Yeah, I mean, it looked like he knew he wanted to go with the ball. It seemed pretty easy. Guys had separation. I mean, just running the offense. The, whatever his reads were, first read, open, not there. Second read, boom, hit. And, you know, again, it wasn't much, but you can say he looked like he was in control. Um, you know, but Central Arkansas was not that strong of a team. He needed more time to really show – Really show what he could do, um, and, and then this week I, I can also, regardless of injury, I can see uh, I can see Jackson starting, um, and I I think I think Kiffin I, if I had to take my guess, Kiffin almost wants to give him that second chance to prove like out oh, he was right in bringing in Jackson because he has talent he has a bigger body. And he wanted to give Luke that opportunity. You can say he got screwed. It did suck sitting on the sideline not getting to show that. And then you get injured, right? And Jackson got to play a lot of those minutes after that. So, um, I think he's going to get Jackson the shot, you know. If he goes down and, and, well, look, we just put the ball on the ground and doesn't he doesn't have to do much like he did the first week, like, great. We scored Georgia Tech at least in, ACC, uh, in the ACC conference, you know. And, but I I think he's going to give him that shot. If he goes down and makes one big time throw and then takes care of the ball, I think he's going to try to roll with Jackson. But if we have a bad pick, we make a bad read. All right. Luke, Luke, you know, Luke gets to, but it's kind of what I'm assuming is back on him. Like I'm going to roll with you until you give me a reason not to that. That's kind of how I feel like, and you can, it's smart to say, I want both quarterbacks maybe playing, but that's true. You know, Jackson doesn't, do what he needs to, to win the game and run the offense, the way it's supposed to be running, go through the reads he's supposed to, then yeah, Luke will. Um, so I, I, that's kind of my take on this. I mean, it's nothing like a knock against Luke. It kind of sucks about what happened, but I can see Jackson starting for this. And again, it's his to lose. Like I'm giving you that opportunity. Let me keep you in there, et cetera.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And what you said at the first part of that too, in particular when talking about Luke Altmeyer, was I went back and watched the game on Sunday. And again, Limited sample size, untrained eye here. But one of the things, like a few things that did stick out as you mentioned he looked like a guy that knew what to do with the football. And it did look more um a little bit more decisive than what Dart showed against Troy, yeah. particularly in the first half. And that seemed to be it looked like more like a guy who had been in the system for a year, like and that had been in the program for a year and kind of had a better grasp of the playbook scheme, whatever you want to call it, and just looked a little more comfortable with kind of some of the reads that come with it. Of course that quickly gets messed up with the injury and just kind of the way the game went, but you know, small sample size, those first couple of drives when he did throw the ball, you know, one guys were running wide open because it's UCA, but he did look
3: decisive. And I thought that he did. I thought it looked decisive. That's kind of the way I took about it too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so that's that part of it's interesting because it kind of leads me into like this, where we sit now. And Weldon had this theory earlier in the, earlier in the week when we were talking and I think it's a smart one. And I think it's kind of generally what, Both of us have been like hinting at, but I thought he put it in an interesting way. He just, and again, he was just throwing out a theory. He probably think Kiffin probably thinks that Dart is the guy. That's why he went and brought him in. The talent, the upside, the ceiling, that what you everything you just outlined. But he's maybe a little worried to just fully commit to him because of the grasp of the playbook and the full menu that Dart's been able to digest at this point. Now, again, as we talked about at the time, like that doesn't mean that darts going out there and they call a play and he says, wait, I don't know what to do here. It's being able to read it and process it that quickly. Like, do you think that's part of it? Do you think maybe he's a little bit hesitant to this new guy who's undergone a lot of change in the last, you know, nine to 12 months, some of it football related, some of it just kind of being life related too. like, do you think that's one of the reasons maybe he's hesitant to make a call is that he thinks it's dart, but dart doesn't have as good of a grasp of the scheme as Altmeyer does and Kiffin's a little hesitant to ride into an sec season with a guy that maybe has a bit of a limited menu.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just comparing against the the Hugh Freeze arrow offense, which, in, in a sense it's, it's the same, but it could be less complicated. It could be a little bit more simplified. I don't, you know, I don't know how Kiffin and their uh, offensive staff call plays or how in depth they like to go. Um, I mean look, the thing like when I was there, we, we changed signals almost every year. We changed different, you know, schemes and setups per week. So it wasn't that hard to read. I mean, I I mean, I think like we put in new passing plays like in each fall camp. I mean, different route combinations. Like we did not keep the same one. So you would just learn like that. Uh I mean, I think it's more just yeah, I mean, I definitely think that could be it. Um, but I, I do I I do think like you can man, when we played Texas in 2013, we ran four plays. I mean, four, that was it. I mean, and it was just, it was pretty simple. It was a wide buck sweep where you read the DN and then you either keep it or run it or you hand it off. Right. And you go around the outside. And the other option is is a play action and you hit Evan streaking on the seam when the linebacker bites up, when the running back goes out wide, like, it was essentially like two or three plays, but it was all the same thing. Like, And you can run that a lot. Like in college football, guys call the same play back-to-back. They call the same, you know, similar two or three plays in the same package and formation a lot. I don't think it's that tough. Now, if you got to the NFL and you're saying a freaking novel in the huddle and you're trying to while you explain everyone's position, then you got to remember what that is. I do think that takes a little bit more time, but in this – in this offense, you know, you don't have receivers look at one coach. Lyman listened to a pretty simple call from the quarterback, and then running backs look at one coach, and the quarterback looks at one coach. So it's not like, you know, you know, you just know your own responsibilities. Uh, I think it may take time just to stay in a sense of adjusting the fast, maybe faster wide receivers, maybe a faster speed of play and in the whole new environment and and learning to get comfortable without worrying that there's another guy that I could lose my job to and just playing a little bit more freely. Um, So look, and it may come out this week. I think, I think that's there and it will come out, but Kiffin, if he, he must see something at practice that again, like what I was kind of saying earlier, Luke looks in control. I love how calm his feet are. It looks decisive. There wasn't much passing pressure. You're going to have a defensive end get around a tackle and you got to, how quick can you explode to get out of that pocket? I mean, you know, if you're a little bit slower, they may catch you by the ankles, et cetera. If they've been seeing that maybe Jackson has a little bit more athleticism in him to do well on broken down plays, which is going to happen absolutely constantly in the SEC, then they're like, all right, we got to keep giving him a chance, which I'm just going off what I've heard. He may be a little bit quicker yeah. Um, th- then Luke and has a bigger body size to it so if he sees like those factors and he knows that's going to work later on like he's going to keep giving him a shot he just wants to see him be controlled be decisive and just do do what Luke's been doing but I think he'll get used to it each week a full week of practice makes a big difference man I mean three weeks now into it regardless if you're playing in games like he's probably getting a lot of reps at practice so I don't. Did he say he's going to start this game? By the way, has he? Has he no. Put that so out? he
2: said on like the reb talk thing. So we we're recording oh. this early-ish on a Friday morning, and he said on reb talk, which is now on Thursday nights with Kiffin, um, that but he anticipates both guys playing. I don't know the context of that. Uh, I saw that second yeah, yeah. somewhere else, but he did not yeah. decisively say this guy's our starter type of thing, which. Yeah. I, to your point like it, it may be the best way to go about it right like dart like he just may not want to say it right like dart may be the guy but yeah. to the point you know if he completely you know i don't know for lack of a better phrase shits the bed for the first three drives of that game and they're down 14 to nothing and he's not making good reads well you know i guess he would want to go like have the option to go to luke without making it sound like he pulled his starter that he named the starter type of thing because i do think mm-hmm. that has an effect on kids psyches right like you I know, think it, so
3: too. I think that's
2: smart. Yeah. So like if you were in it with, I don't know, Bo Wallace, Kincaid, whoever, and you guys were no, no one had been named the starter yet. You're both playing. Would it feel different to you? If you got, if you struggled in part of a game and you got pulled for the other guy when you were still competing versus say you had just been named the starter and quote unquote, won the job. And then you get pulled after three series. That would have a different effect, right?
3: Yeah, no, that definitely would. I mean, I, I, I think I would keep keep it open-ended like that. And, um, and again, like get keep giving guys opportunities. You can go out there for two series. You score predominantly just running the ball and you don't get to show anything. Another one, I mean, your your lineman because it's early in the season blocks the wrong direction. Yeah. And you get a free shot at you and like when you try to throw it away, it gets tipped. What if it gets tipped to a defensive lineman's hands when you're smart to try to get it out and then or whatever, you know, something like that. And it looks like, oh, this is just terrible. Or like. Well, man, if he had makes that block, he could have made a skinny post rope on it and look like an all-star. Right. And that can happen the next series, but stuff may not go perfectly. So man, you do have to roll with them. I mean, whoever starts like good, bad or ugly, I mean it'll kill a quarterback psyche if something like that happens that, you know, really you did not, you, you did, you tried to do your best and made the right decision essentially. And something goes wrong, uh, whatever. And you, but you can bounce back and be like in test the quarterback psyche saying, all right, I'm going to go down. I know that, you know, we just had a pick six. We had a fumble, had a guy to take a shot on me, whatever. I'm going to go redeem myself. If you got pulled after that, that's – that. and then, you know, that other guy does good. You almost are like, damn, you know, that that's pretty tough. But, like, you need to give a guy really whatever happens a couple times to, to see how it goes. So, um, hopefully he does that. We'll see. And then another piece
2: of that you alluded to a second ago was that um, like you can actually, so it's a little different in college. Like you, the whole like grasp the full realm of the playbook, the language, the reads and all that is a little more NFL centric where you can actually survive on a little bit more of a limited menu in college. Like you use the Texas. You can, yeah. For plays. I get that's not something every week, but like if, you know, if whatever this offense is now, let's just say it's the exact same as the one Corral ran, even if that's not the case, whatever, mm. like you're saying that they can get by fine if, dart altmeyer whoever it is let's say dart for this example because this is who we were talking about they can get by just fine is if the menu is not as wide as say matt corral in the third year
3: right okay right they can put in an offense with what they have so far and you get more in depth the further along you go into the season yeah Um, so you can get really like you can slowly add stuff but then keep your core plays and core read options and core stuff but then you know you may have a third and ten that's a pretty complicated five-man route you don't call that much you probably got four of them in your arsenal you can take that and go a little bit further add in a motion with it which is a different call fake a play action then roll out you know there could be more again more in depth than just a standard drop back five-man protection five routes uh you know five-man routes so it's a. Uh, well, I think they can get more in depth, but you can win games off of like your core stuff. And it's been three weeks in; they're just going to keep adding more, more stuff. But they're going to—it's a look. It's all conceptualized. Like you have, if you understand a concept of a two-man, 2 you know, two by two, and typically coaches will always call this. If you call a route to the boundary side, like the short side of the field, and the two backside guys typically have the same route or one of, like, two choices that no matter what, they're on the wide side, they're going to run an over post curl and over backside dig or, like, it's pretty – you know, it's usually – it's not too complicated, but if you understand the concept, they're always going to have one of two on the backside routes. Then you just – you can program that in your brain. I think he's getting more used to it. But, look, yes, I think right now they will – they're not going to overload him with everything that you have – in fall camp and say, all right, let's see how you do. Like, it's going to be a slow walk into it.
2: How would you feel, just you 21-year-old you or whatever, how old, I guess they're 19, but like you're going through it and you guys are, whoever you're competing against, you guys are two games into the season about to play your third. Neither one of you objectively have done anything like demonstrably on the field to win or lose it. I think that's the most important aspect of it. Would you – I mean, this seems rather unprecedented the way they've handled it. I know we talked about the Harbaugh example, but I'm just curious, like, you in their shoes, how do you think you would feel going into the third game not having really any clarity? Would you be encouraged? Would you think it's weird? Like, what do you think? Oh, no,
3: I'd be encouraged, man. I mean, like, I'd be like, dude, like, I still have a chance because they both know, like, I know what I can do. Like, if I'm just putting myself in that situation, I know what I've done at practice. I know what I've done at scrimmages. I just want to be afforded that situation. I just I just want to be in when we call, you know, a dig with a post over the top and a safety bites down the dig and you hit that post over the top. Like, that again, you may not have that for three possessions based off what happens in the game. But, like, if I still think and believe Coach Kiffin that I'm going to get my chance, I'd be itching at the bit saying, like, you know hell yeah let's go you know i mean like, i want to show this compared to like you know, you know the kind of freeze way like i'm gonna pick a guy in the first half of the first game and it's it after it's kind of like well shit you know i want him to get hurt i mean so i can go in and show i mean i want him rolling ankles so like i can actually go with the ones and win a game like you know it's hard to have that motivation in a sense but he's kept it that way and i think look like it's smart. These guys are going to feel confident no matter if they start or not. Obviously they both want to, but just in case of an injury or anything that happens, they're gonna be so much more prepared by the way Kiffin's done this, you know, for what happens later in the season.
2: Yeah, and that's kind of the contrast. And that's you've been, I think, smartly beating that drum for the past couple. Weeks of like trust the process. He's a more experienced guy dealing with quarterbacks, right? Like he has a pretty rich track record with this. Whereas like you know with fans, they don't seem to like it because they're like that's kind of what fans do, right? They're tribal. They pick one side, pick the other, and yeah, it's something yeah. different. We all hate something different that's never been done before. So the fact that there hasn't been a quarterback selected yet must mean something's wrong, type of thing. But it's interesting, through, like. To your point is like it's actually kind of making both of these guys you know remain engaged and in a way more confident even though eventually there will have to it be it does engaged.
3: it does okay i just i don't see a more world more though engaged. where they
2: go to kentucky without a decision right don't you think oh they that, will
3: no you have to no you're gonna roll with a guy for you are gonna roll for Kentucky you're gonna put in the whole place that week for what he can do Kentucky's Kentucky's different i mean coming back from Tulsa uh Is that it? That's after Tulsa. Yeah,
2: so you got Tulsa. And, like, you, we thought the drop dead would be Georgia Tech. But, honestly, you know, I was thinking about this this morning. It's a 16-point line, right? Georgia Tech's not good. Uh, Their defense is okay against Clemson. But, like, I've had on an analytics guy on the Thursday show, and he's a Georgia Tech, like, writer. And he was like, look, they're staring three and nine in the face. They suck. So, like, yeah. it's a 16-point line. If that's in Oxford, what do you figure it'd be, 21-ish? That's not that different than the Troy line. You know what I mean? Like, uh, how really? similar is it? Yeah. I get it's an ACC school. And so we saw this as the drop-dead date, but maybe Kentucky is. You know, maybe he thinks, and probably rightly so, he can get by these next two games with still a little indecisiveness. And um, so maybe that's the drop deadline. It's, it's It's unconventional, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's the uh, – it's the wrong way to do things. I don't get, no,
3: dude, I'm telling you, you have enough experience Luke playing last year. And then at least for the little bit that he has, and then given both guy reps, even if it feels like Jackson for more, you know, he plays played more so far due to Luke's injury, right. supposedly, um, you know, whatever happens to Georgia tech, like if one guy looks better than the other still let the other play, like you could, you, again, you could take this going in and then maybe Tulsa separate a little bit there. Um, you can separate a little bit for that Tulsa game, but, yeah, man, like both will feel confident going to Kentucky, whatever you had to do, because now they've been in live situations. and they got the confidence in their head that they can do this, um, regardless of who you face. So, man, you got time. Like this is such a great, you know, walk into to Kentucky. So they'll have a quarterback for Kentucky. They won't be doing this for Kentucky. I mean, it just won't make sense because you have to put in a lot more formations. And you gotta prepare for that defense. So they'll pick a guy for that. But it, I think you may start seeing a little separation and snaps uh during the Tulsa game.
2: And it just continues to underscore what a blessing this schedule has been for a team it's a blessing, man. Because, I, I mean it's
3: amazing to think if we had like Texas week two. I it, mean it's just, impossible. Just, you couldn't gosh. do it this way,
2: right? I mean, right. even last year, I don't think you could do it this way. Louisville didn't turn out to be any good, but I don't think you could do the two QB thing on a neutral field against the I, I agree. Like that'd be much, much more difficult to do. And it's probably a good way to transition to the SEC stuff before we get out of here. The flip side of this is actually playing out at Texas A&M, right? They named Haynes King the starter over Max Johnson, the LSU transfer. And to say that has not worked out would be a pretty mild understatement. I saw a stat from uh, one of those pro football focus guys, I think, that blew my mind. Haynes King had that terrible stat line last week. I think he was like six to fifteen for 93 yards, fumbled twice in a pick, was not blitzed once. Appalachian state did not blitz Haynes King a single time in that game. And he did not face a single pressure. They just sat back and let him, they stacked the box to stop the run. It looked like just from watching it, but they just let him make mistakes. And so they named Haynes King, the starter. I saw this morning that it sounds like it's going to be Max Johnson this week. Well, you know, whether Haynes King ends up being any good or not, Max Johnson's your own, I won't say only option, but it's different because I imagine, to some degree, you've crushed Haynes King's confidence by making the switch after a devastating loss. Correct?
3: Yes, that's right. I mean, I, and well, I mean, I wouldn't say he deserves it, but like App State's probably not a horrible team; they're probably pretty good this year. But if you didn't get that many blitzes, like if you were to get blitzed, just you throw a completed pass and get rocked by a DN or a tackle because your offensive lineman just they're right. new or something like that. I, I do get that, uh, but this is this is the difference that. You, I've always talked about how, how big scrimmages are and how big like letting both quarterbacks play through these first couple of games is like, I mean, you get to see how they run in a game. Like, I mean, if you have, how do you take care of the ball in a game? How do you, you know, throw it away when you need to, how do you know when to take a shot? Like you have to go through a game to see this. Um, and it looked, I think Haynes King like runs maybe a four or has taken off on the great, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, probably looks fantastic. But you make these kind of mistakes. You can't judge a quarterback for the guys that play great on seven on seven and run a good 40 yard dash. I mean, very few uh, recruiting websites actually watch film or actually see the interception number in high school because kids hide that all the time. And I know the kids who throw a lot of picks around here and don't and like have bad games, but do not promote it. And I, but that's a psyche of a mentality of a strong quarterback or not. And I was talking to you about that before. But it's evidence in something like this to where, like he, they probably didn't really know, and probably wish they went about it the way, um, you know, Kiffin did, because that's what ended up turning out when he actually the lights came on. And he had a full game, so um, you're exactly right. I mean, it probably destroyed his confidence, but uh, you know, that's football. He had a he had a full game to decide, and it's not like something goes wrong in in three drives or a first half or a quarter, then you get pulled. Like if he had a full game to really do this. Um, you know that that's how the cookie crumbles
2: and they were bad the week before for the first half against the sam houston state team really that's yeah there you go hanging around with right and so and the seven on seven piece of it is interesting just as quarterback recruiting as a whole you talked about this right before we started recording that's why this is such an inexact science right like look part of it there yeah. these kids coming out are 16 17 your body changes whatever but a big piece of this is the fact that it's so heavily weighted on camps versus high school film right
3: yes uh it's weighted on Oh yes, that's true. It's too weighted on camps. I mean, I'm telling you what, Saban, he uh he looks a lot at the personality of a quarterback. Like if you don't fit, he can he can read on your visits and go a couple times the mentality of a guy like Mac Jones. Mac's a cool cat. Um, he's a smart guy. I think Bryce Young's a pretty cool cat the way they act they're not That's out a of control there, right, don't lose, was they, cool a right. Too. they don't lose their anger they don't have you know blow-ups at a bar or something on the street or popping off like those don't fit him and they also make good decisions on the field and look he's trained them that way but he's probably not going to take a guy that whatever may have all the you know 40 yard dash and all these great things. But look, he's had great talent. I'm not saying that he's had the top. Yeah. Bryce Young was the top guy in the country, but it also sees a mentality standpoint of what fits him and how you're going to buy into the system. And I think that may plays out of how erratic they are on a football field and the decisions they make of having to calm their brain, learn an offense, and run it like a business. So he looks at a lot of that in recruiting. I mean, I would I, I've taken three visits there when he offered me and. I've heard that from other guys on staff about what he looks at, why he like once, once you hear different things. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, there's a there's a lot of that mental side that's hard to see unless you really spend time around a guy. You see, you know, kind of his background, how he's treated his teammates. I mean, it's a full depth thing that look you can't always get right. But if you just go off of a guy that's traveling seven on seven and just throwing up numbers and all of this, but it doesn't have that mind in a you know, he may be a little erratic that. I'm not saying that's happened with all these guys. I just know that's what I've heard. From yeah. Taking those visits to Alabama, and I think they, they've proven that. And there is uh, a mental aspect of learning of how calm can I stay, know the down and distance, know your situation, and act on it accordingly.
2: And it's a great point, and you saw evidence of it last week in that Alabama-Texas game, whereas, you know, I was sitting there thinking, watching it in real time. Like, I was like, man, this is not going well. And, like, Alabama's offense with Bryce Young wasn't very good in the Iron Bowl either until that final drive. But then I, know. You know, I watched the final drive, and I'm like, actually, no, what's happening here is, is they're getting whipped on the offensive line. The receivers aren't really creating separation. It's actually kind of incredible what Bryce Young is doing to keep them afloat. Like, I had, like, this mo- – like, this – like split I would say split second but like a quarter and a half where I was like is Bryce Young as good as we think he is and I was like actually he's even better probably like what do you know that's so
3: true you take a snap like just remember that the timing and stuff of doing this like take a snap you look up one two the first read's not there three gone I mean like yeah and if you go one two boom all of a sudden you're about to get hit or you got to move out of the pocket if they had separation you could have anticipated that but there's no separation the first One to two seconds, and then you're getting pressure right there instead of having an extra three, that three and a half seconds. uh, Man, like, we're, you know, that makes a big difference. And now look, you guys are getting separation. They get separation, you have the right read. You got one, you got two seconds, you can make a good throw. But if those two things happen, it comes into are you going to take a huge negative loss? Are you going to fumble in the pocket? Are you going to try to force it right there because you don't have enough time and just throw it to the middle of a defense or find a way to get out of the pocket? Which takes a lot of athleticism and then being smart on the run, which is kind of what he did and kept them in the game till it worked on that last drive.
2: And won them that last drive because of it. He made like the stuff he did outside of structure. It was
3: remarkable. It like, yeah, was
2: really it. remarkable to watch. And that's when I, I kind of snapped back into it. And I was like, no, actually, this is incredible to watch. Like, there's nothing's working around him and it's still working. Real, real quick, that you mentioned the Saban piece of it. What is he actually like on a visit? Like, do you. I mean, look, y'all are like bigger. I, I kind of deal with this somewhat in media too, whereas like, you know, after a certain while when Hugh Freeze or Rich Rodriguez will walk into the room, I just pick up what a, whatever it's rich. Like, do you, uh, do you like, do, were you kind of in awe of him at all? Like what's it actually like on a visit with him?
3: Um, yes because they were coming off the national championship and it's like these are all like so many coaches rotate every three years like i was told by most see like if you spend three years in a program you're doing pretty good and that's, that's just what happens like you move with staffs you see different faces different schools you see one guy there for over a decade and you're watching the buffalo wild wings one day and then the next day you're sitting in front of them with those national championship rings it's like damn that's him that that's that's him. That's a guy that I've seen for all these years. Um, yeah. I and mean, it was pretty in all, but it's, it's about his business as anything. There, a lot of coaches try to, I me, mean, even must champ, like think of must champs anger and all of them smashing yeah. the board. Like when you're sitting in front of the office with him, nicest guy, man, how you doing puts on that front. Definitely not like down the field. It'll never be like that. After you get down with recruiting Saban's just intense as anything, pretty much saying, why would you not come here? I mean, give me a reason why you, they didn't say that. But pretty much, in a sense, it's not like That's they really their want thing. you to come here. It's like give me a reason, like you should not. I mean, why would you not come here? Why would you go anywhere else? We're the Evan best. So <laughs>
1: did you see? The, uh,
2: did you see Pete Golding, their defensive coordinator, got asked about this a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "You know what? What? What do you kind of sell at this point in Alabama? The recruits?" He said, "I work for the greatest coach ever. What's wrong with you?" but that's really enticing that's an incredible you wonder how they keep getting players that's an effective message to a kid to where it's like we know we're this good we're offering you a spot here what what what's what like what it's like what's the decision right like we're the best like why are you not coming here type of thing that's a pretty compelling message to a 17 year old kid is it not
3: yeah, I mean, it's like, all right, do you want to be famous? Do you want to be win a national championship? Do you want to be on TV? And, I mean, pretty much, do you, do you want the exposure of the NFL of being a national household name? If you sign here, you get to do that. Yeah. That's, so, uh, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. It's not like – yeah, I mean, that's hard to beat.
2: Yeah, that, uh, that definitely does seem like a uh, pretty tough thing to beat. I'll tell you what. So, the last one I want to get to before we leave is the uh, – Kentucky goes on the road last week and gets a huge win at Florida. That's a really good Kentucky team. Stoops has got a really Ooh, good roster they there. They are, man. You know, D'Anthony Richardson came back down to earth a little bit. He's still a youngish guy. I think there'll probably be some ups and downs there. Do you, what do you know? What do you make of Levis at all? Because I keep, like, he has some moments where I'm like, okay, I see this. And then there's other ones where I'm like, I kind of forgot he was out there for a quarter. Like, what do you make of Will Levis? Like, what do you think he has to be in that offense? Because it seems like it's a pretty sturdy ship around
3: him. Yeah, dude, he has – that's the thing. Like, if you have a quarterback that's constantly trying to make plays and and make wild plays, those are the ones that may put you in a bad situation. Like, I think Will has a beautiful throw in motion. I think he's going to run the offense and just – you know, guys that don't really know an offense, um, typically they pick out a wide receiver when they have a double hang. Like, there's pretty much a safety and a defensive back or, you know, whatever. It's just guys are keying on that receiver and then they don't let the offense flow instead of saying, no matter what, I'm reading this backer, I'm reading the overhang. But safety, boom, okay, I'm going to number two. Not there, I'm going to number three. He's wide open. He'd have to hit them all game. And, guys, I think Levis has that and and, and runs it that way. Um, and he's going to be – like, he'll win games. That's the type of quarterback that wins games, man, not makes your really your wild plays and then a really bad play and then another wow and then – you know, that, those are the guys that win games. So you almost don't want to know they're there, but somehow they're moving the ball down the field. Um, or, you know what, they, they didn't convert on, on something. Then they they punt it, Have you know, put them back inside the 10-yard line to the next possession they scored. No harm, you know, nothing really done. But I think that's – and those are good quarterbacks. Those are guys to do that. And uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, dude, that Kentucky game, it's going to be something else. I mean, he, he, he looks like he's comfortable and knows what he's doing.
2: That is going to be one hell of a test he is ryan buchanan ladies and gentlemen this was terrific stuff as always my man and we'll talk to you next week
0: awesome we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast
1: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
2: All right, that was Ryan Buchanan. I appreciate his time as always. That was good stuff. He always provides great insight and uh, I really enjoy joy getting the perspective of someone that someone that has been there done that because there really is just a level to all of this that we'll never understand as much as we try to um, without having been in the room and done that maybe understands the wrong word but a level of knowledge that we won't be able to attain if that makes sense so anyway appreciate his contributions all he'll be back at the beginning of the week like normal next week with weldon on sundays as uh weldon's back from europe ryan's back from san diego we are rolling here at the rippy rights podcast before we get to uh lb's greg and Fresh Cuts with Skybox. I wanted to take a break to remind you the podcast is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a proven full-service online therapy option that can connect you with a licensed therapist in under 48 hours. You can go face-to-face. You can go on, uh, excuse me, face-to-face like on camera. You don't have to go on camera. You can just talk to someone without being on camera if you want to. It's pretty laid back, and it is a great option. Therapy is uh, just like anything else we do. We put gas in our car. We... Get the tires changed. We get the oil changed. Regular maintenance. There's no difference with your brain because how you treat your brain affects the way you live and how you perform overall in a day and your overall health. It's really no different. Therapy awesome. Sometimes you can just, it's nice to just get something off your chest and have someone to talk to on the other end uh, that will sit there and listen. So you should give it a try if you're uh, feeling like you need something like that. Maybe a little timid. Don't be. better BetterHelp is, dev- is welcoming. It's easy. It's laid back. And it will certainly help you. Check them out, betterhelp.com. Use the promo code MPW, and that'll get you 10% off. All right, here is LB's Greg. He needs no introduction. Check him out, though. Remember Rippy Wright's special newsletter. You get a 20 ounce prime strip or 16 ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. He needs no advertisement this time. The man sells himself. Here's LB's Greg and Skybox with our week three college football picks and the NFL at the end. All right, we now welcome into another edition of Fresh Cuts. It is LB's Greg on the other line, also known as Greg the Meat Sharp Jones. It is week three. I guess it's week four because we did week zero. You get the picture. Actually, no, it's week three. Hey, never mind. I don't even know what week it is. What's up, man?
4: Yeah, what? I mean, you know, it's 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 a week of football and college and NFL, and uh, yeah, we're ready to go. Oh, I had a um, I have a new listener, um, and he says, "Man, why does he in, introduce you as T Bone?" I go, "Man, I, who's Meat Sharp?" I was like, "I don't know." It's like we just started it out. I used to be really good at picking football games. Now I'm not so good. So, uh, but yeah, he he uh, he he wants to he wants to change my name to to T Bone Jones. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see.
2: I like that one. Yeah, the, the Meat Sharp, you have to be original, of like a way back, way back listener, all the way back to like when we first started this podcast, and I guess that was late 2017, early 2018, somewhere around in there, to uh, to fully pick up on uh, that reference. How many nicknames do you have? You were the Meat's Man to Jake DeLome, Greg the Meat Sharp Jones, and now T-Bone Jones. I actually like that one the best. I don't know if I can pivot to it at this point. Because uh, your other one does have gambling significance, but you just got a whole arsenal of nicknames.
4: Oh yeah, I mean well, that's so fun. it's, what's funny is everybody in the horse industry knows me as Meat Man, and my buddy went up <laughs> to talk to talk to a couple uh, a couple people that uh, have a, uh, have a couple horses that take care of a couple horses that we own, and uh, he's like, yeah, my buddy Greg uh, owns that horse, and uh, they had no clue who Greg was, you know, and uh, as soon as he's like. Oh, you know the meat man, right? And she's like, "Yeah, we met him in Maryland." And he's like, "Yeah, that's that's Greg. He owns he owns the horse with those guys." So, um, so yeah, I, I guess that's good or bad. I don't know.
2: Speaking of uh, the meats, what's going on at the store? Away game this weekend, but uh, that's actually the even a better excuse to stop by LB's and throw something on the grill and watch it on TV outside instead of going the stadium where last time I checked they will not let you bring a personal grill in. Uh, although we did challenge that idea on the show a couple weeks ago have not heard back from uh, media relations on that one but uh, what's going on at the store
4: yeah I mean uh, just stocked up ready to go you know usually we're busier on uh, weekends that of of away games and I believe like you were yeah just like you were saying man who wants to uh, not want to go and get a really nice cut and you know some jalapeno poppers or some fresh fish or you know uh, some sausage and that sort of thing and just hang out at your house and hang out on, uh, on your back porch and enjoy your nice TV and, uh, you know, uh, air conditioner or it, it might be a little bit cooler this weekend. I'm not sure. I, I've kind of felt the temperature kind of changing.
2: It dropped at the beginning of the week. I'll tell you what, man, it felt, uh, it felt really, really nice on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It still feels like nice compared to what we were dealing with, um, It's supposed to get up a little bit higher, but, I mean, you're going to have lows in the 60s in the morning, and then I think it kind of drops again late next week. But uh, it definitely felt a little bit like fall. And uh, as you just alluded to, no better time to get outside and obviously no better place than LB's to go pick up some food to toss on the grill and enjoy a college football Saturday afternoon. And then, you know what, go buy some stuff for Sunday as well as you can watch seven hours of commercial-free football in Red Zone like me and uh, throw something delicious on the grill. But um, we, yeah, got a, uh, how, we got a, a huge slate of games this week. Uh, we yeah, had a pretty good. Week how last was,
4: week. Uh, did you enjoy the um, the uh, NFL Red Zone Channel the other day?
2: Oh, I did. <laughs> it was uh, that's like my favorite thing. You know, back when I was a, uh, like doing this full time, like Sunday was really my only like day off of the week, and so I would just that would be like the day to get beer and food, and then I would just melt on the couch literally for the entire seven hours. I love the NFL as it is, but I think that piece of it made me love Red Zone even more. And uh, yes, it was great to uh, great to have the red zone back. There's really just nothing like it, to be honest.
4: Yeah, I've I've got a little fun uh fun red zone channel fun, fun fact for you.
2: Throw so
4: um, the uh, you know the Scott Hanson, the guy that said you know that does everything, and you know how he starts out the show and everything. He's like, "Welcome to NFL Zone Red Zone," and he's like, "Starts now." Yeah. So he is a uh, horse partner with us on a, a horse that's name starts now.
2: Are you sure you're not in the mafia? Like, there, this horse community has so many famous people. I mean, Jake. No, we, uh, we bought. Uh, I'm
4: in with a uh, syndicate in New York called American uh, America's Pastime Stables. So they were kind of baseball related and that sort of thing. And they actually um, run a um, the summer league for the collegiate team. So a lot of the Ole Miss players go up there and play on a couple of their teams. Uh, they had Justin Pinch one time on a year. So anyway, long story short, I ended up sitting in a little care package up there for them. And, uh, I got involved with the horse with them and we went to, um, and to the March sale and got Jeff Bloom involved. And, um, Jeff Bloom found us a horse and, uh, he's like, man, I've got a partner that's been wanting to get in on a horse. And, uh, you know, I think this horse is perfect for him. Do y'all want to take a partner? Anyway, the partner ends up being Scott Hanson and, uh, That's uh, we they name the horse Starts now.
2: So that's a that's a wild fact. That's pretty cool. You know, that's uh so it took me a couple years to realize this. You know, there's technically like two red zone guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I didn't know that I'd had Scott Hansen like the entire time like I was in high school and everything, and most years in college, and then one time we switched in college, maybe we had direct TV. Maybe that's yeah, what they it was like Direct TV the, has their uh, own. dark-headed guy. The yeah, dark-headed. Andrew Siciliano. <laughs> yes, that's and it. That's it. I'll never forget though. I flipped on Red Zone. I think it was because we had Direct TV. If I'm not mistaken, it's because Direct TV. You know, that was originally like Sunday Ticket's thing, right? You had to get Dish or Direct TV or whatever it was to get Sunday Ticket back. Like now, you can get it a lot easier. But I'm pretty sure they have their own Red Zone because of that. If if I remember that right, but I flipped it on. And it's it's not Scott Hansen, It's this other dude. And I'm like, I don't understand it. Did he die? Did he get fired? What's going on? And then I had to like Google. And that's when I found out there were two red zones. And it really just kind of broke my brain for a second.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, it just but yeah, uh, but the Scott Hansen is the owner of the horse. And he uh, we name the horse starts now.
2: Scott Hansen is my red zone guy. I don't acknowledge uh, Mr. Siciliano. Not that he's bad. I'm sure he's a I nice agree. man, but I just won't acknowledge it. I agree. There's probably someone else out there going, "Who the hell is Scott Hansen? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, you know, I, I agree. We uh, we had a good week last week. Um, we uh, so Skybox. We were had some. We had no separation. We had the same record through the first two weeks. We we're all six ten and one. We all went two seven and one last week. Again, I'll remind you, Skybox has just given these picks to us and the people for free to uh, let us, two idiots, challenge them. This are not their paid picks, but. Last week was a much different story. Skybox goes seven and four in college, and you went seven and four as well. And I went five no, no, excuse me, six and five. So we had a pretty good week there, and then we crushed it in week one of the NFL. I had me as ten and five, and you as nine and six. So that's uh, that's what you call a winning week. That was good stuff.
4: It's always good to get out of the hole out after the second week instead of the like week ten, you know. So uh, we get out of it early, and we're we'll going to stay out of the hole this time.
2: Mine have been all over the place. Obviously, if you were listening to this and you read Neil's picks, you'd be like, what are you talking about? So my picks in Neil's picks column are absolutely atrocious. I believe I'm 5-17 and 17 against the spread, which is just absolute garbage. But you might say, well, how is that possible? Well, one, I don't really remember what I pick afterwards, so I don't keep it consistent. Uh, and we also pick different games here. We do the NFL too, obviously, but I try to mix it up college game wise. So you're not picking and listening to the same thing over and over again. And then I would say the last portion of that is, is I, gambling is not really like part of my content brand. We do this for fun. Like, you know, Jeffrey Wright is in that Niels picks and he has all the stats and stuff. And I think gambling is kind of part of his brand. I'm pretty sure he's pretty good at it. I think some people would probably turn to him for picks. If you're turning to me for picks, you are a hopeless soul because you, you might as well just drain your bank accounts now. So that is the yeah, reason I, mean, it, is
4: it, like, I, I agree. I used to be back in the Bay. I used to be, you know, all, all over handicapping games. Now, you know, with the meat market, it's kind of tough to juggle, juggle handicapping games at, late at night and then, um, you know, going to these horse sales and doing everything else and just trying to have fun with everything. But, yeah, uh, we do have fun with, it, with this, and uh, I, I think everybody enjoys it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, I was just kind of just explaining why like the discrepancy in records there. But like, you know, to like actually do it, you know, Jeffrey, I'm pretty sure keeps up with this record year by year. And if that's gonna be like radio guy, if that's gonna be kind of part of your like brand, like you got to actually kind of look into what you know different statistics and what you value and whatnot. I'm just do- using it as a vehicle to like talk about the games. Um, so and to- and what you can't, we can start a hashtag. It says fade the rippy. I do. I've been I've been trying to get that going on the board all week. I was like, look, if you if you fade me, like you'll have a second home by the time this season's over. So like you know, really, I'm the I'm the hero that everyone. uh, Maybe not the one they want, but the one they deserve. So that's. I
4: will say I will say say your wins look a lot better than your losses. How about that?
2: Yeah, hell yeah, they do. I only remember my wins too, and I was about (laughs) to close that segment, that portion of it, by saying, you know, don't mistake me for a shark. But I have no idea how anybody could do that given uh, the history of uh, this show and the record. <laughs> of yeah.
4: I will say some of our victories yesterday, uh, last week consisted of uh bears and lions, baby. Oh yeah. But-
2: no, that stretch where we went bears, lions, Texans was some of the easiest, you know, quote unquote money we made. Like that was, uh,
4: and we could have had a uh, money line on the Steelers. Did we have both? I, I think I had the Steelers. We, took, sure. we
2: both took the Steelers too. We rode the dogs. We both kind of picked up on the scene. You know, weird stuff happens in the NFL in week one. Underdogs usually have, a, have had a pretty good record in the last half decade in the NFL in general, but especially week one, you know, larger point spreads, uh, you know, we could have had a bunch of money lines. Like Atlanta pe- pissed that game away. Like that would have been a nice money line play. And then Houston would have been another one. They absolutely choked that game away. So, like, the easiest money we made were on the bad teams because they damn near should have won the games outright.
4: Yeah. I mean, like I said, that's why you get on those dogs early and often.
2: Let's dive into it this week. We have Skybox Sports picks on board. As always, they will ride with us through the college games. They will not with NFL because those are pretty much their exclusive uh, behind their paywall plays. But if you make it to the end of the podcast, they will have two NFL free plays for you. Um, so let's go They ahead. also
4: have some uh, NASCAR plays that you know that kind of you have
2: a couple hits. My guy Mark Harris absolutely crushes it on NASCAR. I'm glad you brought that up. He is uh he is very good at it. I'm pretty sure that is either already free or soon to be free to the people um, as just a complimentary thing for Skybox. I gotta double check with him that he mentioned it a, a couple uh couple weeks back. Let's um let's dive into it here. Let's uh let's go ahead and get to the first game. We will start with Georgia, South Carolina. It is Georgia minus 24 and a half at South Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go – I mean, I know Georgia's
4: just on another level and they haven't uh, given up a touchdown all year. But – and Spencer Rattler uh, literally ran for his life uh, in Fayetteville. So, back-to-back road games against two really good teams. You know, that's a lot of points in an SEC game. I I, I see Georgia just absolutely thrashing them. But for some strange reason, you know, I know South Carolina's going into Athens and, you know, weaseled out a win. But this might be a different situation. I don't know. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Georgia. I think they roll.
2: I think so too. I kinda had the same debate internal debate that you just had there is, you know, I was like, man, that's a lot of points. Like, who's taking South Carolina here? Like, without looking at it, my assumption would just be everyone's on Georgia. But I'm not gonna make this more complicated than it is. Um, I think Georgia rolls here. Um, 24 and a half is a lot of points, like as you just mentioned on the road. I'm just not sure South Carolina's roster is even virtually competitive against something like this. Georgia's rolled through the first two weeks. I'm going to take Georgia. Skybox is on South Carolina minus 24.4. That's a new line. I'm guessing that's a typo. I guess you could try to get it at 24.4. I don't know how that would work. I don't know that's exactly the your difference that would line. make. But uh, Skybox is on South Carolina there. That's
4: uh, a European line.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, that soccer, the soccer, like 1.75's confused the hell out of me. Uh, we'll go, we got OU Nebraska next. Nebraska fires their head coach, Scott Frost, after an embarrassing loss to Georgia Southern last week. What a week for the Sun Belt, right? You got three schools going into three power five programs with a decent bit of history and uh, beating them all and getting paid handsomely to do so. Scott Frost does not survive it. That just seeming like became an untenable situation. I mean, That that, that's so wild to me. And that kind of goes to show you that I guess these can't miss hires you think never actually work out versus like this hires like, you know, Sam Pittman, Dabo Sweeney, like the hires you don't ever hear of, like kind of sort of work out sometimes. And that's always the case. The point there is, is you just never really know. And so, you know, Chip Kelly, UCLA home run. Well, was it? And, you know, and then no one's like everyone made fun of the Sam Pittman hire. And he's probably got the second most consistent program in the SEC or I say consistent second healthiest program in the SEC right now. SEC West, I should say, behind Alabama. You can make an argument for Ole Miss, too. They're probably neck and neck, but you get my point. It's uh, it's just fascinating to see kind of how that turns out. Anyway, he doesn't survive it. They are playing OU Oklahoma this week with an interim head coach. I believe this game is in Lincoln. Let me double check on that real quick, but it is Oklahoma minus fourteen. Where are you going there?
4: Yeah, uh did you see the actual total numbers that Scott Frost walked out with eventually after his three years? It was oh, like, I'm sure
2: it's fifteen to eighteen million dollars, something crazy to not. Well, to it was
4: a say. three million dollar buyout from Central Florida, like something like eighteen million over three years from um from uh you know getting paid for his record that he that he coached for. And then a 15 million. So you like walk with like 44, 42 million dollars.
2: That's uh, not a bad gig if you can get it. You know, the weird part about Frost is is he had that one year where UCF went twelve and zero, and he's never had a year over five hundred as a head coach since.
4: Yeah, that's kind of a you know, head scratcher, you know. Was did he have good assistance or what that have? But I will say, um, uh um there one of the um uh, girls that works for my buddy and uh at the horse sale, she's a Nebraska alum and she said that this is um Nebraska's first um african American coach in any any sport at Nebraska all the time huh,
2: that's interesting yeah
4: well she said it was kind of groundbreaking so yeah uh i am actually gonna pull for the guy I think you know you kind of um whenever you you know I don't know I don't know if scott frost was the was the bad thing you know but i i'm gonna i'm gonna go with uh, Nebraska here
2: I don't really know why either but I think I'm gonna take Nebraska too this game is in Lincoln and it is at eleven a m you know, Oklahoma's ranked number six. I'm just not sure how good they are. Dylan Gabriel, Jeff Lebby, I think is a pretty good offensive coordinator. Um, but Oklahoma hasn't really been tested yet. I, this is one that makes no sense, right? Like, why in the world would you pick Nebraska? So that's exactly why we're going to do it. I'm going to take the Nebraska Cornhuskers plus 14. That's going to be a classic one where you look up at 1130 and it's 21 nothing, and you're like, what did I just do? Um but, yeah, that's
4: why you have all day, all day to get that money back. That's and, why we pull
2: them Exactly. Just you know, put yourself in a hole early. You don't want to make it easy on Vegas. We got to challenge ourselves. Although Skybox is rolling with this, so they have Nebraska plus fourteen as well. So maybe, uh, maybe we are on to something there. Um, let's keep it rolling here. We'll stay. Uh, we'll go out to the West Coast. We have BYU at Oregon. Um what a couple of weeks for Oregon right they get or excuse me BYU they get Baylor at home they beat them in overtime and then they're going to go to Oregon that's a, that's some pretty solid scheduling. doing. and look if you're a non power 5 team and you're going to run the table um having two ranked wins under your belt at the time that's the way to do it that, that's a way to ensure you don't get the UCF you know first year Cincinnati treatment you know Cincinnati gets in the playoff last year obviously with the weird set of circumstances but uh that's interesting it is BYU plus three and a half actually excuse me plus four skybox got it at four at oregon oregon looked terrible against georgia this is one of those ones that doesn't make any sense and for that reason i'm gonna go oregon i think byu is a better football team they really impressed me in that late night game last week against baylor but why oregon's favored by ford i have no idea and so therefore i'm going to just lean straight into it i'm going oregon ducks minus four I'm
4: gonna I'm gonna take BYU for some strange reason. I don't know. I took Baylor last week and actually um, had a uh, four game parlay. You know, on 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 the hook and everything, but the Baylor uh, just kind of Baylor kicker, I guess, didn't like to kick extra points. I don't know. Anyway, I'm gonna roll with Baylor. I'm on BYU on this.
2: A lot of weird. Uh... A lot of weird results with bad kicking in the last couple weeks, particularly in the NFL. That that Steelers Bengals game was insane. The missed kicks, the missed extra point to send it to overtime. It's like, what? What are we doing here, kickers? Let's start. Maybe they are getting drug tested. Let's start making those fellows pee in a cup. Uh, actually, they do, as Ole Miss well knows. Um, anyway, we'll. Uh, Skybox is on Baylor plus four. So, excuse me, BYU plus four. Baylor would be a weird one. Uh, so they're on your side on that one as well. Let's go to Atlanta, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, Ole Miss's first real test of the 2022 college football season. No public clarity at quarterback. I kind of have a hunch as who it is. We've all covered that on the podcast this week. But uh, the Rebels' first test, I don't think Georgia Tech is a very good football team. If you listened to yesterday's show with Robert Binion, the Georgia Tech writer from SB Nation, who is really good, really offered an analytics and kind of numbers-based look at the Yellow Jackets. He thinks they're staring three and nine straight in the face. It is Ole Miss minus 16. Ooh, that was it 14 and a half early in the week. It's Ole Miss minus 16. I don't know if that changes it for me. Actually, it does, but I'm not going to change my pick just because whatever. But that's, a, that's an interesting two-point jump. I'm going to go with the Rebels here. It's not necessarily because I have any sort of lean about whether Ole Miss is good or not. I just think the defense will travel, and I think Georgia Tech is awful.
4: Yeah, I mean you just have to just use your common sense right here. And if in Georgia Tech covers, you know, touche. So with that being said, I just see how just Ole Miss rolling through this and you know, uh hoping uh hoping Kentucky can stay undefeated and uh, that'd be a, a real supposedly
2: that's a stripe out game. Did you see that on the Twitter? I saw that. I again how, I'm how not gonna, well you
4: think that's gonna work out.
2: I was about I know. I'm I I don't I don't wanna do the natural skepticism thing. I've tried to be a little more uh optimistic about Ole Miss trying to do things like that. Not that I actually care, but just be less uh, cynical about things. Uh, that seems like one of those ideas that's a great idea in theory, but a lot harder to pull off. But look, I, I don't know if this is Paris Buchanan's department, but he's done a really good job with a lot of the end game stuff. I'm not a DJ guy, but I think the DJ setup in the end zone is cool. Like they make this game seem like an event and a party more so than anything. And I think they've stepped up in that regard in a lot of areas in the last couple of years. Um, but that being said, like I guess they could pull it off. I don't know. That just seems hard to do. What does a stripe out mean? That's not the same thing as like a checkout, like Tennessee or Penn State does. Like, is that low? what does what that actually mean?
4: I think what they're gonna try to pull off is like everybody wear the same thing for probably like five minutes so they can get a cool picture and then you can take it off. But uh, I think to I,
2: we got I, different I think, colors
4: going, right? Yeah, it's like one, one stripe has all red, one stripe has all uh, blue, and then I think the end zone is going to be all red. I don't know. There's a color scheme that they um, uh, magically have uh, appeared in their mind what's going to happen. So, uh, But, yeah, check out the Twitter.
2: We'll see uh, how that one turns out. So, you're on the Rebels on this one, correct?
4: Yeah, for sure. I think they roll.
2: I mean, look, this could be a game where it's like, you know, 10 10 at halftime, and you're thinking, oh, they're in a dogfight. And then Georgia Tech, like, you realize they can't score in the second half, and it plays out similarly to the Clemson game where Ole Miss ends up winning that thing, you know, 34 10 or something like that. I could see that happening. But I'll go ahead and lay the 16. Skybox is doing it as well. They like the Rebels this week, too. Let's go to Auburn on the Plains. You have Penn State. And Auburn in the second of a home-and-home and, home and an on-campus series, which I'm a huge fan of. I'm glad they're doing more of this instead of these kind of NFL venues. Like, how awesome was Texas's atmosphere last weekend? I like these a lot better than going and playing in, you know, the Falcon Stadium or NRG in Houston or Dallas and things like that. I just think it's cooler. It is Auburn plus three at home. This is a 2.30 kickoff. It's the CBS game. Um, it is Auburn plus three, as I just mentioned, Auburn's quarterback situation is weird. One of them can't run. The other one can't really throw. I don't know what to make of it. I don't think Auburn's any good, but it's also at Auburn that defense is good, and I don't love the idea of laying Sean Clifford in Penn State on the road here. So I'm going to go Auburn actually wins this game outright. I'll take the plus three for the sake of uh, fresh cuts, but this would be my money line deal for me. Um, I think they win a game where it makes no sense. I could see Penn State outgaining them by like 180 to 200 yards, but they have two weird turnovers. And Auburn somehow wins this sucker 20 to 17, and you wonder how. So I'm going to go Auburn here. Yeah, I'm still thinking
4: about the interview about Clifford uh, uh, having that uh, problem. Definitely had the squirts. Yeah, I just – I can't go with a guy that, you know, just – I know it might happen during games, but – I mean, man, not, not, in, not on the stage like that. So, with that being said, yeah, I like that Auburn money line with you.
2: Skybox is on the Penn State Nittany Lions. That's interesting. So, uh, that'll be a fun I, – I, that'll be an interesting game. I don't know if that will be a fun or a good game, but that will be an interesting one for sure. Let's go to Vanderbilt. They are playing at Northern Illinois. I don't know what scheduling went into that, but hey, I get it. Ole Miss has done it before, but that's a weird one. Vanderbilt is plus two and a half at Northern Illinois. That's uh, – I don't know what you need to know about the state of a program when you are a two-point dog to a um, to a MAC school. No disrespect to Maxion, but uh, woof. I'm gonna go with the Vanderbilt Commodores, though. I think Clark Lee's doing a good job. I think they have better players this year. I don't know what that actually means for STC play and their chances there. But hey, they're two and zero. They look somewhat confident. Uh, this is more of just me rooting for Vanderbilt. I'm gonna go with the doors plus two and a half.
4: Well, they're not 2-0 because they got skull dragged by Wake Forest last week.
2: But Oh, shoot, 2-1. Um, and one. You're correct. Sorry. They won their first show. I think <laughs> Elon, you're right. They got killed uh, last week. But
4: I will I will say that I had that over. Uh, that was a good play uh, on that on that Wake Forest-Vanderbilt over. But, um, yeah, man, you would just hope Vanderbilt, um, you know, uh, it, with, with it being said, just can go in there to, you know, a, a match and score and win. So, I, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with Vanderbilt.
2: Yeah, I think I, – I don't know. I mean, I have no feel for that. Skybox is on Vandy as well. Okay, so they're on the uh they're on the Commodores too. Well, uh, we'll see how that one turns out. Let's go to Baton Rouge. It is Mississippi State minus 2.5 at in-death valley against LSU. I've picked against State the last two weeks and felt like an idiot for it. That offense looks really, really good. It looks like a Mike Leach offense with the quarterback in his third year and it, the timing is impeccable. They look really – Really um really good. Like I don't think state's going to be this six and six team that finishes sixth or seventh in the West. Um, with that said, I I man, if this were in Starkville, I don't care the number. If it was anything under seven, seven and a half points, I'd probably lay the hell out of Mississippi State. But I I just the Brian Kelly thing, I can't I just can't think it's gonna look this bad the entire time. Whatever you think of the guy, I think he's a good coach. I think that roster is okay. This is a Death Valley game at night. I'm just gonna go LSU just because things get weird there. Um, I feel like that will be perceived as an anti-state pick. It's not. I just can I see it one more week? I'll be late to the party on the state. Can I see it one more week if you if you win this week, I'm picking them against everybody probably not named Alabama, you know depending on the spread, but you get my point. I'm gonna go LSU plus two and a half here because solely because the game is in Baton Rouge at night.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever taken Mississippi State, and I think I've just strictly because of a light hatred for State. It's not necessarily light hatred. I just, you know, I I don't like when I like Oxford. I mean, that's kind of, a, you know, breaks that down. I I, I I This is my first time I'm going to take Mississippi State. I don't know why. The Brian Kelly thing, man, he's just – Brutal. It's brutal. It's bad, and I just hope it gets worse. I mean, I you know, and I hope it's LSU's punishment, you know, from taking money from children's hospitals, yada yada yada. I just hope this Brian Kelly is their punishment of of everything that they deserve. So I'm going to go Mississippi State to uh, to give them more punishment.
2: I think that's probably the smarter play, and Skybox is all over it as well. I think this is probably the week people figure out, oh, this Mississippi State team's good. I just have the, the, the picking them as a favorite on the road in Death Valley against an LSU team with the Pulse just gives me the hives. I mean, it would be kind of the same situation as Ole Miss. If somehow Ole Miss was a three-and-a-half point or two two two-and-a-half point favorite in Death Valley at this point, I'm not sure I'd take the Rebels either, um, even though I don't think LSU is necessarily good. I don't know. Maybe that's a dumb way to look at it and probably while my record stinks, but whatever. Last game we have for the college side before Skybox drops off uh, for the week. We have a minus six. At a home against Miami, obviously the very embarrassing loss last week. I say embarrassing. App State's a good program, but for what A&M is touted to be, tough, embarrassing loss. Been a tough week for A&M, right? They're getting skull drug online uh, for their weird Aggie yell stuff, which I don't know. I've seen those videos go viral for years. I don't understand how everyone's just discovering it now. They tried to like scrub them from the internet. Were you keeping up with this? They were like trying oh, to get yeah. those Aggie video, yell videos off the internet. Um, no, you know, no. I don't know. My theory on that is don't make them. Like if you held the event, you videoed it, you put it out there, but now you're mad that it's out there. I don't, that, that yeah, I, I don't I mean, how Ross many, Bjork had anything to do with it, but that that's very on brand Ross Bjork athletic department. Yeah. I mean, how many people are actually
4: pay per view and watching the midnight yell on, online, you know? <laughs> Probably
2: none. I don't know. I mean, if you want to take some hard drugs and convince yourself you're on another planet, that might actually be an entertaining listen. But outside of that, I'm with you. It's it's You talk. You said it's, it's awful, cringeworthy for Brian Kelly, which I agree with. You talk about a whole other level of cringe. That just, ugh, that is hard to watch. Um, yeah. That being said, yeah, like I, would, so. I would take the Agnes this week. I well, don't think they're that- as bad as they're being let on. I think it's a rebound game. I'm not necessarily sure what to make of Miami. This would be one where it feels like everyone's off A&M. I hope they start Max Johnson at quarterback instead of Haynes King. I saw some stat where I can't remember the exact one. I'm going to butcher it, but it was something to the effect of Haynes King had a pick and two fumbles and through, you know, he had the bad stat line. I forget what it is. I could look it up real quick. App State did not blitz him one time. He did not face a blitz one time. And that's the amount of points they came up with. That is, that is rough. Um, and, you know, he was kind of thought to be the guy that, you know, Zach Calzada had to play instead of because he broke his ankle, but he beat out Zach Calzada. Like, Zach Calzada wasn't perfect, but that kid played the game of his life and beat Alabama. I, I, is Haynes King that much better? Like what? What? That's rough. So I hope they play Max Johnson, but I'm going to take the Aggies regardless. Um, if I'm wrong and Miami wins that game, or I guess, you know, they could cover and not win. But if Miami wins that game, A&M – Two and seven is on the table. I know everyone's doing that this week with their schedule. I don't think that'll happen. But if you lose at home to Miami, I don't know who you're beating. So, anyway, with that said, I'm taking the Aggies.
4: My problem with the whole deal is, like, I mean, he came out and said he didn't have his team ready to play. I mean, what what is your job, actually, you know, as far as a head football coach? Isn't it, you know, like preparing a football team to – win a football game with that being said i just i have no respect for jimbo I, he, he can him and brian kelly can go hang out and uh wherever wherever land they come from but uh I, I i'm pulling for miami really hard this week
2: fair enough so you're on the you're on the hurricanes
4: yeah i mean yeah i, I mean like i said i just I I, I I I don't have a lot of respect for people that come out after do not doing their job and saying that you know what I, I didn't do my job you know to have this team ready to play a football game so and plus he's getting paid millions of dollars to do a job and he doesn't do it so man i kind of you know like i said uh hope miami wins by 20.
2: uh yeah it's really easy to make fun of as we uh, pulled this up i just had twitter up on another tab i literally just see a tweet now from billy luci who runs tech Sag that says it's going to be max johnson that guy's pretty plugged in there whatever you might think of him so That'll be interesting. We'll see what uh happens there. Skybox is on the Texas A&M Aggies to close out the college portion of this. Now let's go to the league where they play for pay, as the great Mike Francesa once said. I almost said the late great Mike Francesa. I hope you know. I hope that I don't have to say that accurately for a while. I'm not wishing death on the guy. But anyway, let's uh. Let's get into it. We'll start in Baltimore. The Ravens minus three and a half at home against the Dolphins. We both reluctantly took the Ravens last week, even though it was a full touchdown against the Jets. We were glad we did that because the Jets were awful and Baltimore rolled them. Miami gets a big win over the Patriots last week. I thought the defense was more impressive than Tua. I don't. I think Tua will end up being okay. I'm not sold on him. With that said, I think I'm going to go with the Ravens here. I just think that Lamar is going to kind of be on a little bit of a like Mahomes, like FU tour that contract year. I think they're a really good football team that had a bunch of injuries last year and had a rough year, but I, I think they're really good. I'm going to go Baltimore minus three and a half here.
4: Yeah. I might have to agree with you. I just, I, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. It's almost like he doesn't, I mean, there's not not no knocking on the wide receivers for the Ravens, but what, what are his options really? You know? So it's kind of a one man show and I think that he's good enough to carry that team. And uh, I, I, I say, I say I like Baltimore a lot. I'm going to go to Baltimore with my first lock.
2: How about that? Oh, there we go. Go ahead and locking it out. I actually don't hate that play at all. We uh, I right, keeping it going here, we're going to go to Cleveland. We've got the Cleveland Browns minus six and a half against the Jets. The Jets, they don't have Zach Wilson. I get it. But, man, Joe Flacco is bad last week. That can't, there has to be a better backup than that. I get it. He's older. You bring him in to mentor the young guy. But, my God, that was awful it's cleveland minus six and a half look with that said i can't believe i'm doing this but i'm holding my nose and i'm going to take the new york jets because this line makes no sense why would this not be 10 like cleveland rolled in last week and played a pretty damn good game in carolina come out with a win there i don't understand why this isn't over a touchdown so that naturally means somehow this is going to be a game entering the fourth quarter i'm going to take the jets for no reason and probably make fun of myself next week
4: yeah i'm not going to be a sucker i'm I'm, I'm not going to do it i just uh uh, I, I I think this is just a no-brainer. I just think you just take the better team, and uh, I just I, I can't take the Jets right here.
2: They're uh, they're bad. This is this to me is a tr- this next one's a tricky stay away of all time. We have the Lions at home minus one and a half against the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz is like a is the greatest trip in the NFL. One moment he's throwing it to a linebacker on the other team. The next moment he's dropping a dime for a touchdown. He threw a pick that I thought lost them the game last week. Then he threw a game-winning pass that had clearly won them the game. It's it's quite the experience. I don't know what to make of it. It is Detroit minus one and a half at home. I'm going to go with the Lions, but I don't love that play. Because while Detroit is scrappy and they love to do the backdoor cover when the spread's like around five points to a touchdown, I don't love them as favorites and to actually win any of these games. But – the Carson Wentz experience on the road, I just don't know. So, I'll go with Detroit, I guess.
4: I'll give you some fun fact here. Um, the last time the Detroit Lions were favored in an NFL football game was the coach was Matt Patricia. And the Whoa. quarterback was Matt Stafford. Okay. Forty four games have gone by and they haven't been favored again. That's not what you want. So with that being said, with them being finally favorite, I think that they get it done. I mean, you know, that the uh, I got a uh, late uh, late touchdown to cover last week, and uh, you know we're going to fill that vibe with Detroit. So uh, with them being favored for the first time in twenty four games, I'm going to go with Detroit. Great, I'm actually going to lock it too. I'm going to lock it.
2: I love it. Okay, you've got two locks off the board already. I like it. Um, Bringing some great stats and fun facts to the pod today. That that's a that is that is so bad. <laughs> 24 games and you're not favored in one of them. Like you, you know they played a team with their backup with a quarterback too in that strand. Like they've had a team not have their quarterback, I imagine, and they weren't favored in that game. That's wow. Okay. That's uh that is quite something. We are gonna go to Jacksonville and they're they are plus three and a half at home against the Colts. I thought Trevor Lawrence looked and the Jags looked pretty confident. Look, Doug Peterson's a good coach. Travis Etienne dropped a couple huge critical passes last week. They had some killer penalties. I didn't think they were awful, though. They're plus three and a half at home here. The Colts looked terrible for three quarters against the Texans. Then all of a sudden, like you were, like, no, it felt like no one was paying attention to that game, and then all of a sudden it's tied, and then neither team wanted to win the game in overtime, and guess what? They tied. So I don't know what to make of this at all. I'm just going to take the home dog here and take Jacksonville, and I think they get their first win. I like Matt Ryan. I like the Colts. I think they'll end up being a good team. I think they'll probably start slow. But um I'm just going to go Jacksonville here.
4: Yeah, I mean like I said we last week uh whenever I think Houston was up 10 to nothing in that game after the first quarter, right?
2: Uh yes they were. I mean they're up 20 to 7 at one point I'm not uh if I remember correctly.
4: Yeah, well, um so yeah, I, who knows what the Colts and you know Matt Ryan um did you see that Matt Ryan's like I don't know it was like th- uh, his pass yards over six, 60,000 pass yards and on like the football it says like twenty eight
2: three. Oh, I did see that. That's that's how you know we're living in a simulation.
4: <laughs> no, I just had to poke fun at a Falcon fan right there. Um, yeah, no. With that being said, uh, you know, I I don't see why the Colts can't you know not get it done here. So I'm gonna go Colts here. I think they're a little bit better football team than they showed in the first first week. So I'm gonna go Colts.
2: Saints-Bucks in New Orleans. The Saints looked dead for about three quarters last week and then pulled that one. The Falcons falcon that very, very, very hard. The Falcons kind of whipped New Orleans up and down the field for, you know, I would say two and a half quarters because Jameis actually looked really, really good in the second half, and it seemed like they put some things together. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make this complicated. I'm going to go with the Saints. They own Tom Brady. I know Saints fans will love to hear that, but, uh, I mean, it is, it, it is absolutely undeniably true. Until proven otherwise, I'm taking the Saints.
4: Yeah, well, I, I'm going to go with you on that. The Saints, too. Uh, Mike Thomas owns the Bucs, and hopefully, he owns them again this week and hopefully um, gives me a lot of fantasy points. So, uh, Mike Thomas coming out for
2: another horror show of a matchup here. You got the New York Giants who pulled a win out of their ass last week against my Tennessee Titans, which is just absolutely lovely to watch. You know, Daniel Jones throws a terrible pick in the end zone. Brian Dayball literally just publicly undresses him on the sideline, and rightfully so. Daniel Jones, I think, is a backup quarterback in this league that they're just trying out for one more year because, you know, whatever. First-year head coach. But to their credit, they come back down the field led by Saquon Barkley. You don't really see a two-minute drive led by a running back very often, but that kind of shows you what they think of Daniel Jones. They come back, they, go for, they score, they go for two, they win the game. And, like, you know – the Giants have had a lot of bad culture uh, coaches, I would say, over the last couple of years, and they may not be a good team, but that was kind of like a prove it. Brian Dayball is going to be pretty good there, good culture guy, and they finally had something bounce their way. They're minus two at home against the Panthers this week. This is a stay away of all stayaways. I guess I'll go with the Giants here because Carolina, I think, is a better team, but doesn't this scream of, like, Baker – Carolina's winning by three the whole game. Baker throws a pick with seven minutes to go, and the Giants win 27-23. And you are like, "How did that happen?" I- I'll go Giants, I guess. But look
4: yeah, I agree. I I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing to agree with you or not. But we're going to agree with you here. Uh, let's go with the Giants to start out two and zero uh, on the week on the year.
2: Steelers wild win last week. They were they turned Joe Burrow over five times. It still took overtime and a blocked extra point to win the game. Um, in one of a one of the craziest games ever, I think I'm not sure you could argue the Steelers had much business uh, winning that game. But hey, when you force five turnovers, your defense is legit. No TJ Watt though; he's out for a while with a partially torn pec. I have my doubts as to whether he'll come back at all this season. It is Steelers plus two at home. New England's a two point favorite on the road. I'm gonna go Steelers here. Maybe that's a trap. I know there's no TJ Watt, but. Mac Jones, even with no Watt against that defense, the, I, there's nothing about the Patriots that I think is good. They are pedestrian at every phase of the game. I, I just, I don't get it. They don't have a dominant pass rusher. They don't have a number one receiver. Like, who's the best player on that team? I, I couldn't tell you. It might be Matthew Judon, might be Mac Jones. I don't know. Um, I'm just going to go the Steelers here. I, I don't get this. Why New England would be favored.
4: Yeah, I like the Steelers here, too. I, I think I saw a, um, YouTube video of Matt Jones, uh, trying to uh, conduct a play and a check down, and uh, um, uh, he the the t- tackle end up blocking down, and the defensive end come you know free, and he got massacred. So, um, I, I your your coach is only as good as a coach can be, but you have to have players. So, I think Pittsburgh rolls them up here, and I'm actually going to go with another lock here. Let's go Pittsburgh with the lock.
2: Wow. All right. Greg's got three locks on the board. I, have yet, I still got them in my pocket. I probably need to burn one here in a second. Actually, I just found it. Here we go. LA Rams minus 10 at home against the Atlanta Falcons in the late game. This may be a sucker line. I don't care. Look, the Rams, I think, are going to end up being fine. There's too much talent on that team. They looked horrible last week against what might be the best team in the NFL in Buffalo. But uh, the Atlanta Falcons are way too competent offensively for this to be 10 points. I am going to go locking the Falcons plus 10. They won't win this game, but I don't think they get blown out.
4: Yeah, I mean, um, if it's a double digit and it's a decent team and I don't think, you know, I don't think Atlanta's that bad, you know, Cordell Patterson, did, or is it Cordell? Did I say that wrong?
2: It's what? like Cordell, I, I, but I, I spent two years saying Cordell too. Yeah. Anyway, he's like the greatest apologies. fantasy guy ever. He's like the he's like the 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 off brand Debo Samuel. He's a running back and a receiver. They've just like unlocked this guy at age 30 in his career. It's actually kind of a wild story.
4: Yeah. I think he, he played at Tennessee, didn't he? I don't remember. He's been in the league a little bit, hadn't he? Yeah. Uh well he had a good week last week. And um uh, I, I mean I uh, I don't see why, like I said, why we can't, you know, cover a 10 point deficit here. So let's go um uh, let's go with the Falcons here.
2: Boy, there are some horror show lines this week. Uh, this, is, this is a week where people are going to bleed money, I feel like. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, San Francisco coming off a horrible loss to the Chicago Bears on a terrible field in the rain. You know, Everyone loves to dump on Trey Lance. I didn't think it looked great either, but like, what a debut. That's a tough, tough set of conditions. I don't know why the Chicago Bears are just allowed to have a bad field. You're an NFL team worth a couple billion dollars. Can, can you get some turf guys in there? What the, what the hell is that? Anyway. Uh, that's yeah, they they
4: spent all that. They spent all the money on buying Arlington Park to buy to build this new uh, fancy stadium. That's not going to be in Chicago. So yeah, that's if probably they, what's
2: happening. If the field sucks there, they should just fold it up. So that's uh that's been talking grass. Um, but anyway, I mean, whatever. Tough conditions. It is San Francisco minus eight against Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks.
4: I, I mean, it's rivalry game. Uh, I'm not. I mean, the division game. I think, You know. Uh. I don't know if the Broncos and Russell Wilson are, are going to be the new laughing stock because uh, especially after seeing that TikTok video, uh, <laughs> I, I think the Broncos might not win a game this year. But with that being said, I, I like Seattle. I mean, I, I just think that um, that's too many points in a division game. And um, maybe I might be wrong and they pulled Garoppolo and put Garoppolo in at halftime and they blow him out. But I'm going to go with uh, the points here.
2: Yeah, I'm having to call an audible here, too, because this is one I had on my radar to hammer, right? Everyone's down on the 49ers after a weird game last week against what might be end up being the worst team in the NFL. Seahawks get the win in a game you could really argue they shouldn't have won. Um, good for them, though. I mean, it was a great performance, a couple goal line stands, a couple goal line turnovers. But like I don't know. I left I left that thinking Denver was probably the better team despite Seattle winning the game. I had this to hammer San Francisco, but it, it it's now sort of over a touchdown. I don't think I can do that. Geno Smith is actually competent. I'm gonna go Seattle here. If it was like five or six, I was all over San Francisco. But eight, no, thank you. I'll take Seattle there. Dallas, no Dak Prescott. They were a disaster offensively last week. Dak leaves the game with a I think it's a was it a finger or a hand issue? I can't remember. They claim he can come back in four weeks. I guess we'll see it. They got more, they got way more problems. Beyond just Dak Prescott, it is the Bengals minus seven in Dallas. You know what? I'll lay it. The Bengal Joe Burrow. I I saw something where he was like at his locker for like three hours in his pads, just sitting there in silence after that game. I think they respond this week. I don't. I think Dallas is in a world of trouble. I'll. I did. I never do this, but I'm. I'm laying the Bengals here.
4: Well, uh yeah, like I said, I uh, ran into Mike Renfro and uh, and Kingland on on Monday, and he's and he used to play for the Cowboys and I said man how long did you watch that Cowboys game the other night he goes I turned it off after the second quarter and he goes Jerry is going to fire everyone fire everyone and uh with that being said uh nothing like a good uh dumpster fire in Dallas to watch you know but I did not definitely tell him about that uh line but with that being said uh I think Cincinnati rolls them up here it's uh it's going to be a long long year in Dallas
2: Yep, it's pretty much just like let's see how bad this gets and then how Sean Payton is what this uh what this feels like for Dallas. So, I'm going to go Cincinnati to rebound there. Denver minus 10 coming off of Monday night loss the Russell Wilson, you know I don't like Russell Wilson either. I think he's cringeworthy. I thought booing him was a weird move. He won you a Super Bowl and took you to another. Like, I get it. The guy got traded, but you were going to – that roster needed a rebuild anyway. Again, this is not me sticking up for Russell Wilson. I find him to be one of the strangest, most inauthentic professional athletes we've ever – like, we've had in a long time. Like, have you ever watched one of his press conferences? He he literally looks like – you know what he reminds me of? That crappy football movie where The Rock plays the quarterback, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, he's, <laughs> he's a crappy quarterback character in a, in a bad, low-budget movie about football that's, like, not realistic at all. Like, do you, does that make any sense? Like, he's the quarterback in a movie about football that's completely unrealistic. Oh, I can definitely see that. Absolutely. Like, and actually,
4: I think that might be a good career for him after, after NFL
2: he might play himself in a movie that, that wouldn't shock me with, that, with that said, I thought the booing was a weird move. Look, the guy that kind of changed the, like, you know, Seattle wasn't a very good franchise before that. And they became, you know, a consistent pillar of, you know, primetime games for a decade. I didn't understand that move, but whatever, that being said, um, it is Denver. Minus- well, there's
4: not a lot of nice, there's not a lot of nice people in Seattle. So you can, you, there's always
2: that angle. That is true. So we, uh, I'm going to go Houston here. Look, I think Denver wins this game in rebounds, but Houston's competitive. Davis Mills is a good quarterback. they got a decent defense. I don't think they're 10 points um, worse than Denver, really, on any field. I get it's in Denver, but uh, I'm going to take uh, Houston here, plus 10.
4: Man, I, I really wish that I could do well, – well, since – I'm locking since, this, by the way.
2: I'll use my second one.
4: Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm going to go one better for you. I'm going to lock Houston money line. Oh. I don't, I just, like I said, I think it's a ba- I mean, it's a cringeworthy situation. Um, you know, with that being said, I, I, I think it gets worse. So I'm just going to go all in on it. So I'm going all in on, you know, Miami to make it worse for, for Jimbo for, for uh, Houston. Yeah. I'm going all in on the, all that.
2: Love it. Uh, you can get that at, well, I'm trying to find the uh, outright option. It
4: should be like 500.
2: Or I was about to say, it's going to be in the 300s. I can't find it 300 anywhere.
4: 300 or 400. Yeah, something like
2: that. I like it. That's it's fun. not
4: going to pay like tremendous, but you at least have a shot. Like, because, like, at, I mean, how many timeouts did Peyton call uh, in that span? What was like 62 or 63? Oh, uh, on, uh, Peyton's, uh, like, you know, when Peyton and Eli. Oh, oh
2: yeah, team. yeah, on the Monday night cast. Yeah, it's, it, it's bad yeah. coaching. There's no other way around that. <laughs> he literally like was calling it and it's like 63 times before they call a timeout. All right. So you've got a, uh, you got Houston money line, a bold play there. Let's uh, let's go to the last late game, Las Vegas, minus five and a half at home against the Arizona Cardinals. Another ugh, line here, Las Vegas last week, they didn't look like a bad football team that uh, that Chargers defense is really, really good. Carr was a little too aggressive. Turnovers killed them. I still think they're okay. That's a loaded division. Arizona just looks awful. And there's a lot of very troubling stats about what Kyler Murray is without DeAndre Hopkins. He's, of course, suspended for six games for uh violating the substance abuse policy. I don't think Arizona's as bad as they as 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 they looked last week, and they probably rebound this week. I man, I don't know. I guess I'll take Arizona. Yeah, I'll just take the five and a I I I think that's a field goal game that Las Vegas probably wins. So I'll take Arizona and hold my nose.
4: Well, I, I again, um, the Twitter showed me a video of the last chance. You coach the guy that was, uh, um, I don't know, it was not the season in Mississippi. The other guy The, the Kansas like this
2: one, that guy basically just yeah. smokes cigars and cusses on live streams now. Yeah, well, he <laughs> uh,
4: he like kind of broke down, um, kind of one of uh, Kyler Murray's like kind of checkdowns, and it wasn't like a checkdown; it was a. You know, hey, don't block anybody and uh, come come and sack me. Um, I just think it's a, it's a again. I'm I'm going all in on all these things that need to happen bad. So I'm going the complete opposite. I'm going to go to the Raiders. I say they win by two touchdowns.
2: Okay, there we go. There we uh there we have it. I mean, look, I have no feel for that one. That's uh we'll go Sunday night football. Packers looked terrible in week one last week. Uh, they were minus ten at home against the Bears. I'm rooting for Justin Fields because it's such a terrible situation, an unfair situation he's put in. He has a terrible offensive line. He's got no weapons. They traded away a lot of their pieces on defense. I was glad to see them get that win last week. I still think they're a really bad football team. Green Bay's minus 10 here. This is a stay away of all stayaways for me, but I'm going to lay the 10 here because this just feels like, okay, Aaron Rodgers was toying with everyone last week. Remember the Saints beat them like 35 to seven in week one last week and then Aaron Rodgers went on to throw two more interceptions for the entire year, and they got the one seed. So weird stuff happens in Week One. This has thirty five ten Packers written all over it. I'm gonna go Green Bay.
4: Um. Well, we'll see. I'm gonna go with the Bears. Uh. You know. I. I um. Uh, you know. I'm just. I, I don't. I, I think all the roses aren't red in uh, Green Bay anymore. And I think uh, Aaron Rodgers has got one foot out the door. So we're gonna go with
2: the Bears here. The receiver thing is weird. That's going to be an interesting storyline. He doesn't have those older guys anymore. He's got a bunch of young guys that he clearly just does not have time for. He, he seemed very uh, very pissed off about uh, that one. Oh. Well,
4: I mean, you know, like I said, whenever you have Devontae Adams and if you can sew him up, you're going to sew up uh, Aaron Rodgers for two or three more years. And I, I don't just don't understand the play. What,
2: what, what do we have going on here with the schedule this week? I, I have two – I'm looking at this site. I have two night games. We have two Monday night games this week.
4: Yeah, it, it, they usually do it like first week or so, or something like that, or two weeks. They usually do like two Monday night games because there's usually – uh, one of those teams go to London maybe. Or no, these are both like in that. the
2: States. But, no, remember the Monday night game, the week one, they used to have a doubleheader where you would play, you know, your normal 7 o'clock game or maybe they started early at 630 and then you have a West Coast game, right, just to kick off the year. This is two Monday night games, one on ABC, one on ESPN. One starts at 6:15, the other starts at 7:30. What what are we doing here?
4: Um maybe having uh maybe having a little um channel war uh, thing going on. I mean, I heard that uh you had to have um Amazon to watch the get, uh Thursday night game last night.
2: You did. And it was an, I thought it was interesting. You know, people complain like streaming look bad, blah blah blah. I don't know. I'm, I just assume everyone hates everything new. I thought Kirk Herbstreit was cool. I thought he did a good job. I liked it. I mean, I already had Amazon Prime. I get it. It's a pain in the ass to pay for if he didn't. But, yeah, i uh, I got to do some investigating on this. I don't, I don't understand this. That's, I mean, it's the same network. It's ABC and ESPN. Like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Anyway, well, I'll, I'll look into that one a little more. First one, Bills Titans. Bills minus nine and a half. Wow. I'm going to take the Titans here because I think they, they play well in these scenarios, but the bills look like the best team in football by far. And they're probably the smart play here.
4: Yeah. I'm going to go bills here. I just think that, um, you know, it, it, you, you look at how Josh Allen played the first, uh, first week. You're like, man, he, uh, kind of upset with not getting the ball in that overtime game against, uh, Kansas city, uh, last year. So I think he's not going to let anything, uh, have, uh, He's gonna he's gonna have his own faith in his own hands. With that being said, so I like uh, Buffalo here. I I say they win by two touchdowns, easy.
2: Yeah, they just I this might be the game where you figure out uh, the Titans are really gonna struggle this year, but I don't know. Whatever, I'll see them. uh, I'll I'll stick with them for one more week in that sense, and then we have the I guess the real Monday night game. I I don't know. Eagles Vikings. Ooh, this is a good one. Eagles minus two and a half. You know, for whatever people say, Jalen Hurts is not. They are a you know they built an offense that kind of suits his strengths. And that's kind of the name of the game in the NFL. Nick Sirianni is a really good coach. I've been impressed. They're put, they're well put together every week. They're relatively disciplined. And, you know, they put up 38 points last week against the Detroit defense. That is not completely terrible. It is Philadelphia minus two and a half here. I like the Vikings. I thought they looked good last week. I love what like I like their weapons. I think they have a more open-minded, or I should say modern offensive mind that coach now. Um, other than Mike's side, or excuse me, as opposed to Mike Zimmer, who was kind of a defensive guy, old fashioned type deal. I'm going to go Minnesota here, but I feel like the place Philly, I don't know. I'm going to go Minnesota plus two and a half.
4: Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree with you on this. I like Minnesota. Uh, I had them in my little parlay last uh, last Sunday that hit. So they handled Green Bay real well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing what happens whenever you, you know, get a change of pace and a coach that, actually wants to, you know, make the offense better or, you know, the offense score more points. So I think Minnesota is actually a pretty decent play here.
2: No better way to kick cap off week three um, than bet on Kirk Cousins in prime time because that always works out well. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is, that's, been why, Fresh that's Cuts. why
4: like millions of people listen to the show, Rippy.
2: Exactly. Just for the sheer entertainment value and to fade us, although they would have lost money last week. This has been Fresh Cuts. He is Greg, the meat sharp Jones. I appreciate the time as always, my man, and we'll do it again next week. As always. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I really appreciate you making this podcast a part of your day. Uh, I thought it was a good week for the pods, and I hope you enjoyed them as much as I did doing them. We'll be back at it on Sunday with Weldon Rodenberg, some soccer corner and reaction to Ole Miss's first uh, real test of the season in Atlanta this weekend. Y'all have a safe, happy weekend, safe travels. If you're traveling to Atlanta, uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do or do. I don't, can't control you people, but uh, be safe, enjoy it, and we'll uh, talk to you on Sunday.